Hey, I'm Mark. Uh, I'm the uh, founding pastor here at E3. Apparently, 15 years ago. Uh, that is absolutely crazy. Um, about three years ago, uh, uh, I had the privilege of uh, uh, stepping down and, and inviting Pastor Eric to be the lead pastor. And uh, but uh, he. He's generous enough to allow me to come and still uh, share with you guys. I'm still part of this community and uh, just just love it so much and looking forward to celebrating uh, 15 years uh, uh, with you guys. Just wondering, who was there like on day one? It was March, or excuse me, uh, 2003, uh, March 28th. Carl, my wife, that was nice of you. So two of us. So uh, it was uh, crazy, crazy, crazy days. Was there one more person? I'm sorry. Pastor Lori was there clearly as well. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were in the room. So uh, yes, no, you've been in the room for, oh, you were right next to Carl. So all right. Very, very cool. Um, sorry. Forgive me, Lori. That was not a slight in the slightest, or it wasn't meant to be. So very good. So all right. Uh, so Pastor Eric uh, uh, asked me to preach on 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 sheep and goats, uh, and uh, this is always an interesting scripture, and especially as we're in the Lent series and and looking at how we can be the tangible hand of Christ, and just uh, what what does this look like, and what does this have to uh, do with us? So as I was uh, just kind of thinking about it, I'm like, well, you know, sheep and goat, you know, that's that's usually pretty obvious. Uh, and uh, yes, I while I was uh, just researching sheep and goat, I came goats. I came up uh, with this picture, and uh, this actually had. I have no point of this except to make you go ah, and and so that I achieved that. So, but I I went on YouTube, and I'm like, well, I wonder if there's like any like YouTube video. I didn't really think there would be on the difference between sheep and 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 goats, and I found that video. Guess how many times that video has been watched? 2,000. 2,000. Uh, 95,000 times. This lady has 3.2 million subscribers. Just for context, like in 15 years of preaching and us putting like our, our preaching videos and different stuff, like we get like four people to watch it. Like we're like, high five, you know, this is awesome. But that sheep and goat video gets 90. I don't get it. So, I mean, that is just crazy. So I actually have three observations about the scripture. That's just one observation about people and, and YouTube. That's, that's a bonus. So, um, so looking at the scripture, I, I, I've, uh, you know, over a couple of decades of being a being a pastor, I've, I've heard so many different interpretations of this because the out of context, the scripture really sounds kind of harsh, right? And it, and it, and it really seems like uh, an argument for works-based salvation. But the first thing that I want to point out here is that Matthew 25, 31 through 46 is not actually about salvation at all. It's about what transformed people do. 
It, it, is, it is about really the culture of Christianity. It is about if we have a true encounter with the one true living God, does it, does it change us? Do our activities, do, do our actions change? Now, how can I say that this is not about salvation because a lot of the words talk about, hey, you know what, I'm going to separate the sheep and the goats and, and all of these kinds of things. Well, we have to look at the breadth of Scripture, right? We can't just take one specific Scripture and, and hammer down on that out of the context of everything else. Uh, that, that people that do this a lot of times, um, they'll look at something like this and say, well, you know what? You have to work your way to heaven. You got to do these things. But if we take a step back, we know that that's not true. If you've been around for, you know, 15 years, you've heard me talk about Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 repeatedly. But this is a great kind of scripture to kind of contextualize how do you balance this kind of idea of, of, of works and then grace and salvation through grace? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul writes, God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So I love these, uh, uh, this, this body of Scripture here because I think it really encapsulates kind of the, the overarching theme of Scripture. That we have this idea or, or, or uh, uh, actually truth that all of us are sinners, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And salvation, like God doesn't like go around and say, oh, that person's really good and that person's really good, so they're in. Or even in the context of the other of their scripture that, hey, wow, you know what? This person feeds the poor. This person, um, you know, gives clothes to the naked. And so those people get to have, get to go to heaven. Because if that was true, only people that work for nonprofits could go to heaven, right? Any nonprofit people here? Good job, you're in, right? I mean, so is that, you know, that, but that's not what the scripture says, right? Now, these are beautiful things, and, and nonprofits are super important, but working for a nonprofit doesn't, you know, that's not salvation, right? Now, you can make an argument that, that people work for nonprofit because that's an expression of their faith, but there's lots of other ways to express our faith as well. So the cool thing is in, in 8 and 9 in this, that we have this idea that, look, we are saved by grace, but we're also saved for a purpose, that, that we are God's masterpiece. And, and I always love this kind of wording of masterpiece because masterpiece doesn't say you have to be perfect. One of the greatest masterpieces is the Mona Lisa, right? But is the Mona Lisa, is that, is that perfect? Are there, 
Is it without flaw? No, if we, if we took it out, we have the technology today to scan that and go down and, and to, you know, the DPI of whatever they're at now and see lots of imperfections. We could put it through Photoshop and make it perfect. But by doing so, what would we do? We would ruin it. We would destroy the value of the Mona Lisa. The value of the Mona Lisa is not in its perfection. It is that the creator's touch and uh, is in it. And if you take the creator's touch and influence out of it, you have destroyed its value. So we, as flawed people, have been touched by the creator and we are created anew in his image. So we can do the great things, the good things that he has planned for us long ago. So this is my first observation about this scripture is that it's not about salvation. It is, it is about something much larger. It is about the culture of being part of the body of Christ and what we do as the body. How are we the tangible hand of Christ? How do we express ourselves in the world? How do we interact with those who are the least of these? The next observation is if you have a beard and a tail that sticks up, you might be a goat. Now, I can go to the rest of the day making like jokes like this, you know, but, uh, but the reality is that, that they're just characteristics of being a goat. One of those is a beard and a, and a tail that, that sticks up. I actually didn't know that until this week. Um, so I learned something. Thanks. Uh, but the reality is that, you know, in, in this analogy that, that Jesus is using, this whole idea that, that there's the goat culture, which I would say uh, is, is basically the broken, self-absorbed culture. And then there's the sheep culture, which is meant to be this culture that is based on Christ and his values of, of caring for the least of these as, 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 as being loving and, and things like that. But we don't all start out as sheep. In fact, that's not true of my story at all. In fact, um, uh, it's probably 30 years ago when I became a follower of Christ. It was uh, that, that I went to a church after I became a follower of Christ, and I was 100% goat. I was saved, but I was a goat. And because I, I had a beard and my tail stuck, stuck up still. I had hair. I actually did have hair, you know. <laughs> Uh, back then and 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 things like that. And when I went to the church, like they, they were like, "Hey, you need to uh, get involved in this group." And uh, and they did what all churches do, including ours. They made me take a spiritual gifts test. So I'm a goat taking a spiritual gifts test. Like I am as new as new could be. So I take this test, and we're in like this this you know, meant to be the safe space and everything. And the person who is administering the test does the grading and everything. He's going around and he looks at me and, he, and he's like, um, so your compassion score is zero. 
He didn't stop there. He's like, I have never seen anybody score zero on compassion before. Goat? No, he didn't say goat. But that's a goat thing. Why was my compassion zero at that point? I can tell you why. I was so broken and so hurting that I didn't have even enough for myself, let alone somebody else. That's where I was at the time. But the beautiful thing about that church and the beautiful thing about the church and and our church is that, you know what? You can come in as a goat, but our culture is hopefully a culture that brings in uh, uh, support and love that we love you as you come in as a goat, but our culture is to grow you into a sheep, into someone who has, uh, you know, compassion and empathy to be able to empathize for the least of these and then to do something with it. And that is a process. James in chapter 2, starting in verse 14, says it this way, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, some may argue some people have faith and others good deeds. But I say those people are idiots. No. (laughs) Those people do not. Those people are goats. Those people don't understand Scripture, what Christ is calling us to do. Let me get back to Scripture. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So when I think about, about this and what James is trying to portray, quite simply, the truth is we were saved by grace, but we were also saved for a purpose. That all of us, that we have a God who loves us so much that he came and died for our sins. But not so we can just sit there, but to create us into his masterpiece. To do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. I look at it a lot of times as like just culturally, goats do certain things, sheep do certain things, we do certain things based on who we are. One of my 
favorite uh, imagery of this is is a, a is a non-serving Christian is like a non-swimming fish. Picture with me a fishbowl, and you have a goldfish in it, right? What does that goldfish do? Swim. It just swims in circles, but it swims. If you watch Finding Nemo, you know, flush it down the toilet, I think, goes into the big ocean. You know, you got a big epic story. But fish swim. You know a fish is healthy when it's doing what it does. Does a fish think about swimming? No. Fish just swim. What do sick fish do? Float. They do the backstroke. They're still fish. There's just something wrong. And then what do dead fish do? Yeah, they just belly up. They don't do much. Right? And what James is sitting here saying is, is look, there are things that, that, that you just do because it's a natural expression of who you are becoming in Christ. That culture, culturally speaking, that we all come into faith with, with, with a lot of baggage. And that's good, and that, that's, that's fine, because that's why the church is here. But the reality is, as, as we spend, it should be, as we spend more time in Christian culture, that we start doing things that aren't probably true to our native self. And that could be going to Guatemala to build homes for single mothers or to Haiti to build fences or to support you know, missionaries and, and, and different things like that. That may be uh, delivering food uh, to, to bridge the nutritional gap for people right here in Tallahassee. That's the mission of the church and as we come together. And it may not be something that you naturally do on your, by yourself, but you become the sheep. And the, and the sheep in the sense of the sheep does what sheep do, and they don't have to think about it. Fish swim because that's what fish do. Followers of Christ, as we come together, can be the tangible hand of Christ and serve the least of these because that is what we do. Observation number three, which goes into this, is sheep don't have to try to be sheep. Right? Like that sheep on the, on the video, it doesn't have to think about having its tail down. Its tail is down because it's a sheep. It's in its nature. It has wool. Because it's in its nature. And, you know, the same with, with Roscoe the goat, right? Roscoe does what Roscoe does. Roscoe probably climbs stuff and, you, you know, you see goats standing on top of things all the time. Doesn't think about it, just I'm, I'm Roscoe the goat and I'm going to jump and, step and stand on something. And this is, this is really the intriguing thing about Matthew 25. The sheep and the goat, in the analogy, they don't know. Remember, Jesus is saying, the king will say to his, uh, those on his right, and these are the, the sheep, 
you are blessed. I want to, you know, just, just love you and give you the full inheritance. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. When I was naked, you know, you gave me some clothing. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And what did the sheep say? They're like, what? What? We didn't, we didn't do that. They didn't even know that their tail was down and they were fluffy because they were doing what happens when you are transformed by the one true living God and transformed by being in a biblically healthy community. Again, it's not about salvation. It's about who we are in Christ. And Christians serve. There's a bumper sticker out there. I'm sure you've seen it. It says, Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven, right? That's... 100% true while also being 100% false. How so? It's absolutely 100% true that Christians aren't perfect, and, and it's also 100% true that, that they are forgiven. But that truth is limited because we are also called to be an expression of Christ's perfect love in this lost and hurting world. Yes, we're not perfect. We're broken. We're hurting. We need to be loved. Number two, Christ loved us. Number three, through that love that we should be transformed and love others. So what are you? Are you a sheep or a goat? And the reality is, is that you're probably neither. At least the reality for me is I am not a sheep and I am not a goat. I'm closer to a geep or a shoat or shoats, right? Uh, I'm somewhere, you know, sometimes my behavior is very geepy, right? I don't quite make the sheep. I'm a little goat in my sheep. I'm not so much of a goat as I was, you know, 25 years ago, you know, but I still do geepy things. I try to be a sheep. Sometimes, I mean, I'm, I, I lean more to being a shoat, but not quite a goat. Sam, I am. I will not eat green eggs and ham. But that's why it's so important to be part of a healthy biblical community where you're, you're, you're living life and you're in growth, a small group, growth group, and you're coming here on Sunday and, and you're in service projects and things like that. And people see you in love and say, hey, that was pretty geepy. Let's talk about that. How, 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 you know, what, what's going on? Why are you still holding on to the, the, these uh, kind of 
sheep or excuse me goat characteristics when we're we're trying to be transformed into being the sheep who who are just the expression of Christ and that's one of the beautiful things about it so when we're talking about this really ultimately we're talking about how sheep how followers of Christ that they care for the least of these Right? This is really what this scripture is about is as my follower, as sheep, that this is what we do. And the reality is that this is a very difficult kind of conversation because really the problem is so huge. I think a lot of us feel paralyzed and we feel, how much can I actually, uh, how much can I move the needle? Right? And I'm going to give you some hard facts right now, and then I want to I try to empower you to help us move the needle on this. Here's the reality. Poverty in Tallahassee right now. According to welfare.org, Tallahassee, the city, has a 28.4% poverty rate. One out of uh, every 3.5 residents live in poverty, below the poverty line. Okay? Just to put people to that, that's 50,000 186 out of the city's residents that report income levels below the poverty line. Okay, so contextually, is that good? Is that bad? Are we on target? Well, in the great state of Florida, the poverty rate is 16.1%. So Tallahassee's poverty rate is 56.6% higher than the state average, okay? So, okay, these, these are the hard numbers. And here, here's a reality. Our systems are perfectly designed to get the results we are achieving. Let me say that again. Our systems are perfectly designed to, to get the results we are achieving. And I don't know exactly all of our systems that it's caused us to have the highest poverty rate, and it fluctuates, but the highest poverty rate in, uh, in Florida. But I can tell you this, that our systems from top to bottom are producing those results. So the big question is, what do we do as individuals? Because I think a lot of times we're like, well, you know, I'm going to vote for Democrat, I'm going to vote for Republican, or I'm going to vote for, for whatever. And that's fine. But what happens when your candidate doesn't get in? That happens sometimes, I hear. So you're just like, well, I voted. What do sheep do? Well, we be sheep. And what would a sheep do? What, what would a follower of Christ do? Well, number one, and this is from the guy with the zero compassion score many years ago, is number one, empathize. We 
hopefully are healthy enough now that we can get outside of our own brokenness and hurt to think about others. If you're not there, that's, that's okay, and, and we're super ha- glad you're here. But that's not where we want you to stay. That's not where Jesus wants you to stay. We want you to become healthy enough and have enough margin in your life to be able to empathize with others. So empathy. Number one, empathy. And then number two, know the difference between emergency and empowerment. And I'm going to say we need both of those things. But an emergency is somebody's power is living without power and, and, and it's super cold and they, and, they, and, they, and they can't cook their food for their children and stuff like that. And figuring out how, how can we as sheep take care of that? And then empowerment is after we take care of the immediate need, how do we empower somebody to not get back into that situation? Now, we do that from internal to external. Like here, here at E3, over the past 15 years, I can tell you that people's power has been turned off. People's cars have broken. There's been lots of emergencies. It used to be, Pastor Lori, back me up on this, uh, it, we had no mechanism to respond to those emergencies. We were new. We didn't know what we were doing. But these kept on coming up, and it was really difficult. We came together as a community, and we said, what would sheep do, right? What's a sheepy thing to do here? So we created an Acts 2 fund, which is a scripture about how we care for each other internally. And we created this Acts 2 where uh, a group of uh, um, people in our church have this fund, so if, if somebody is going through an emergency in, in our church community, that we can take care of that need immediately. So, but we've even grown beyond that. That we've, we've grown beyond that in our, in our growth group structure. And, and really the vision really now is that we're all part of smaller communities within our larger community. And that if you're in a small group, hopefully nobody in that small group's power would ever be turned off. Why? Because you're doing life together, that you're having these conversations and you're able to care for one another. That... You know, that, that you would know that somebody is living under the poverty line and has no margins and, you're, and uh, you can help them out. Not just help them out by giving money, but help them out by leveraging your network and maybe getting them a better job or getting them uh, some more training and things like that. There's different ways to think about this, but what we do as sheep, as we do as the body of Christ And what we can do, regardless of who's in political power, is we can make sure that we're healthy enough that we can empathize with others. And then we know how to care for them, being able to identify, is this an emergency or do they need to be empowered? Here's another way that that we can actually empower 
people right here in our community. And I think a lot of people, we don't think about it this way. But we can be activists without, with how we spend our money. And you know what? You and me, we may not have a whole lot of money and maybe we can't move the, the needle that much, but collectively as the church, we can. Most people here, we, we go out to eat after, after the worship gathering. What if we stopped going to Chili's? There's nothing wrong with Chili's, but I'm just... And said, you know what? I'm going to intentionally go to a neighborhood that I wouldn't normally go to and find a local restaurant, and I'm going to, I'm going to have my Sunday meal there. I'm going to go to Frenchtown and find a restaurant. I'm going to, I'm going to eat there. Number one, just being in the presence of, of other people who may not look like you or, ha, or be in a different uh, socioeconomic thing, uh, circumstance, will help you with your empathy. Number two, you know what? Statistically speaking, every $100,000 that you can direct um, to uh, traditionally disenfranchised businesses or neighborhoods moves one person over the poverty line. And no, I don't eat out $100,000 a year, and you don't either. But guess what? The church... On Sunday, every single Sunday, not just our church, but the church, we do. And that simple movement of just being more intentional, and that's just an example, right, of, of how we do this. But here's the next thing that may be a big one that actually could move the needle. Many of us are in control of some sort of budget at our work. A lot of us order different products all the time. Let me propose this. What if we needed office supplies and instead of going to Staples, a, you know, .com and hitting the easy button and saying, that was easy, that we were intentional with, with our spending and say, is there a different way to spend this money that's going to empower a traditionally, uh, uh, a traditionally um, uh, discriminated against or, or person who hasn't been able to have access to the same networks that I have. Is there a way? And maybe it's not office supplies. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a catering thing. So many times we just, we just you know, call up the quick, easy catering thing you know, there are some great caterers right here that are, are DBEs, uh, uh, disenfranchised, uh, uh, somebody help me out. It's minority, yeah, but, but yeah, it's basically women and minorities who are great catering, who, who would love to, have to cater your office party. And again, this is how sheep think, right? What? What has God entrusted to me? And how can I use that to, to forward the kingdom of God? How can I use this to care for the least of these?